I'm going to take a special moment for the children who are here. I know we have a few who are here. It's good to see you. But I hope that this perspective on the parable might be helpful to all of us. I'm sure some of you have been there at a birthday party, maybe, where there's a big birthday cake with lots of icing and yummy things on it. And someone starts slicing up the pieces of the birthday cake. And you're standing in line and you get a big, beautiful, yummy looking piece of birthday cake. And you sit down to eat it and you put your fork in. And then the person next to you sits down with his piece of birthday cake. And his is bigger than yours. And he's got a little bit of the dinosaur icing from the middle of the cake that you didn't get. And suddenly, the piece of cake that you had, that you were really happy about, you're not as happy with anymore, because it's not as good as the person next to you. That's something that we grown-ups do, too. We compare what we have with what other people have. And Jesus told this story that Mr. Brandon just read for us. And part of the story is about this group of people who were pretty happy with what they had until they saw what some other people got. And then they weren't happy anymore. And Jesus is inviting all of us, I think, in this story to learn how to be happy with what we have and not to compare ourselves with others. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that with the grown-ups in just a minute. But Jesus gives all of us wonderful, wonderful gifts and what we can do is learn how to be grateful for what we have. Let's pray. Loving God, you love us all so much. There's no way to measure how much you love us. And there's no way to compare ourselves to other people. Help us to be grateful for your love, grateful for what we have, and to try in every way, not to compare ourselves with others, because we know you love us, and that's what matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's something about this parable of Jesus that all of us, no matter what our age, can relate to. I think the way Jesus tells this story is meant to draw us in to a particular perspective. Every parable of Jesus invites us in to, to walk around and explore. And there's no one way to understand a parable. There's no right way to understand the message that Jesus is conveying through any given parable. But the invitation I hear in this one is to put on the shoes of a particular group of people and walk around and explore what it's like to be them. And that is those workers who were hired first. We can imagine their day started early before dawn. They show up at the marketplace at the labor pool, hoping against hope that they'll get work that day. Their lives depend on it. The lives of the people in their household depend on it. So we can imagine their joy and gratitude when a farmer comes at the beginning of the day and hires them to work. Now they've got good work to do all day and they know at the end of the day they're gonna be paid 
a full day's wage, a denarius. So they get to work. Now it's a little unusual that the farmer himself comes out to hire them. Usually someone like that would hire a manager or get someone else to do it, but, but this guy came on his own. Interesting. And as we're working through the day alongside of these first hired, we notice that the farmer keeps leaving and coming back. And every time he comes back, he brings more workers. He goes out at nine. He goes out at noon. He goes out again at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's already late in the day, and yet he brings in a whole other team of workers. And lo and behold, he comes back at five with only one hour left of daylight. And he brings this other group of people in to work. Very odd behavior, but okay. Then it comes to the end of the day, and it's time to get that denarius that you've been working so hard for. And the farmer lines you up, and he puts those who came at five o'clock first in the line. Okay, interesting enough. And as you watch, you see that those workers who've only worked for one hour are given a full day's wage. They're each given a denarius. Well, then you start to do the math. Wow, if they worked for one hour and got one denarius, I worked for 10 hours, surely I'm gonna get 10 times as much. And so, with excitement, you go up to the table and hold out your hands and you're given a denarius. The same amount as those people who only worked an hour? I can totally identify with these workers who were hired first. That is not fair. We all know about fair labor practices, right? Equal pay for equal work. If you have two employees who are doing exactly the same work, and one of them works an hour and another works 10 hours, you don't pay them the same amount. You could get taken to court for that. It's not fair. It's not the way the world works. And that's exactly the response I think Jesus is going for in this parable. Because part of what I think he's doing is bringing to the surface these assumptions and attitudes about what's fair and how things should work and holding them up in the light of the kingdom of God. He begins this parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. And he seems to be holding up the kingdom of this world, the way the world works, and the kingdom of God, which is very different. And so in the light of the kingdom of God, these attitudes and assumptions that are very natural to us as human beings are exposed. And I want to explore a little bit what are some of those attitudes and assumptions that are brought into the light by this parable. Well, one of them is what I shared with the children a moment ago, that very human tendency we have to compare ourselves with others, to look to the right and to the left, to determine what we're really worth. My little piece of birthday cake looks great. Looks like more than I can eat. I'm totally happy with it until 
my neighbor gets a bigger piece of cake. I'm very content with the house that we have until my next door neighbor tears down her house and builds a much bigger one and I go over to visit and she's got like a stainless steel refrigerator and granite countertops and all her furniture's really cool and then I go back home and my house looks kind of shabby and I'm not happy with it anymore. I'm happy with my salary until I look at a spreadsheet and I see how it compares to other people and suddenly my number doesn't look so satisfying anymore. Or, I'm happy with the, play, the way I'm playing this song on the banjo that I've been practicing until I listen to Earl Scruggs' version of it. Actually, I'm not happy with the way I play the banjo. I got a long way to go, but you know what I mean. I'm happy with the fact that I won mid-state in the eight-meter run until I get to the state finals, and there are so many people faster than I am. We have this way of gauging our own worth by where we fit in the scale of other people. And we see in this parable this comparing mind. If those workers who'd been hired first were the first to be paid, if they got in the line, got their denarius exactly what they were expecting, and went on their way without ever knowing what anybody else got paid, they would have been fine. They would have been happy. Just when they saw what other people got paid for, for the amount of work that they had done, that they became resentful and angry and indignant. Which leads me to another attitude that we see in these first workers and that I see in myself. Maybe you see a little bit in yourself too. That sense of deserving and entitlement. Do we hear what, what these workers say to the farmer when he pays them? They say, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. Listen to all the hard work we put in, how much we've suffered. Don't we deserve more than them? Aren't we more worthy than they are? Don't you love us more because of how hard we've worked? And I totally understand that. It makes sense to me. I was in a meeting not too long ago where the facilitator was talking about in her church, when they gather for meetings now, they've stopped telling each other how long they've been members of the church. It's kind of standard practice, you know, when you're with a new group in the church or a committee who say, I'm so-and-so, I joined the church in 2018, and my family, blah, blah, blah. But she said, we realize that that can have a negative effect. It can start to, to send the message that the longer you've been here, the more voice you should have, the more your vote matters. For someone who's been here 30 years, opposed to someone who's only been here a year, shouldn't that make a difference? And there's part of me that wants to say, yes, it should. I've been ordained 22 years. And here come along Brandon Baxter and Maggie Gerald, who just got ordained this year. Do you mean their vote counts as much as mine does in the annual conference? Yep, it does. Because that's the kingdom of God. 
And not one vote matters more than another. Not one person matters more than another. Not anyone is able to earn their place in the kingdom of God. It's all grace. And it's all gift. But that sense of, I've worked harder and I deserve and I earn, is, is deeply ingrained in, in the human spirit, I think. And so Jesus wants to hold it up into the light in this parable. There's something else that these first workers say when they're complaining to the farmer. Did you hear it? You have made them equal to us. Us and them. We deserve, they don't. We're right. They're not. We're better. They're not. Boy, we see that human tendency alive and well today, don't we? It's so easy to divide the world into us and them. Those who agree with me, those who see the world the way I do, those who vote like I do, those who have the same opinions as I do, and them to otherize those who look different, who don't agree with me, who have different experiences and perspectives. And yet, in this parable, if those first workers had remembered that they all had started off the day in the labor pool, hoping and praying to get hired, they were all in the same boat. And those who were hired first were lucky enough to be hired early and to know all day long that they had good work to do and that they were going to get paid at the end of the day. Whereas those who were hired at 5 o'clock had to spend all day living with that worry and anxiety and fear that they were going home empty-handed. In the kingdom of God, Jesus seems to say in this parable, there is no us and them. Everything is based on God's abundant, extravagant, radical grace and generosity. And we're all in it together. Someone has said that what Christianity really is, is one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. We're all in it together. So this parable leaves us with a choice. Do we want to be people who live in the kingdom of this world and live by those rules and those ways? Or do we want to live into the kingdom of God? Do we want to allow the grace, the overwhelming, extravagant grace of God to shape our lives? Grace is not something that can be divided up into individual pieces. Nobody gets more grace than the next person. Grace is always complete. And it's never deserved. And it's always offered to everybody, no matter how late in the game they're hired. One of the commentaries I read said, 
God is a terrible bookkeeper. Thanks be to God for that.